From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks continue to advance. The S&P 500 index trading above its May 2015 record close. And we are brought to you by Bentley University. What to tying up the finances at Converse and managing asset allocations at J.P. Morgan have in common? A business degree from Bentley University. University because business is everywhere. Prepare here. Dow Industrials rallying 255 points to 18,151, a gain there of 1.4%. The S&P 500 index now at 2129, up 31 points, a gain of 1.5%. NASDAQ up 78 points, a gain of 1.6%. The 10-year up 5.30 seconds, yield 1.36%. Gold up 50 cents, little changed at 13.62 the ounce. Crude oil also little changed, up 10 cents, 45.24 a barrel on West Texas Intermediate, a gain there of 0.2%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. The energy market, oil in particular, just when it seemed that the bottom was in for oil and maybe the uh, worst of the decline was over, and certainly that seemed so for the year, we see more news that gasoline, crude oil are still in heavy supply in the U.S. and around the world, and that has put downward pressure on crude oil again. We want to welcome back to the show now Fodelgate. He is one of the best-known uh, oil and gas analysts and experts on Wall Street. He's senior analyst, in fact, at Oppenheimer & Co. So, Fodel, first of all, uh, what uh, what is going on with oil the last couple of days? Brexit was impacting things, jobs making people think, well, there's so, some more demand and it's going to help keep the world economy going. And the, the data from the U.S. look like there's just, you know, that the supply glut is not really over yet. Well, again, uh, no surprise here. Uh, supply is... Um over the inventory level is about five-year uh, mark, and that's what really spoke the market. Uh, oil production is declining in the U.S., declining out everywhere outside of OPEC. However, the rate of decline is a lot less than what had expected. So everybody was uh, thinking that two years of low oil prices will bring U.S. production decline sharply lower. That hasn't happened. Why? Because the industry is a lot more smarter, much more efficient. 
they allocate capital a lot better than what they used to do two years ago or three years ago. They can get do more with less, and therefore the impact was not as great as expected. So it's almost like good news, bad news. It is the market want to see precipitous decline in U.S. production to say, aha, uh-huh, now supply and demand will balance, inventory level will come down, and oil prices will rebound. So that's what has been the case and will continue to be the case. But eventually, oil, uh, oil supply and demand will balance. And the reason being, the industry is not spending enough money to keep production flat, let alone increase production. Therefore, when you see the big companies, the Exxon, the Chevron, the BP, and all these companies, cut capital spending by, you know, 30, 40, 50%. You're talking about tens of billions of dollars of capital spending that is not coming back, if you will, to the energy market because of the lower prices. So in two or three years from now, we are going to be in a situation where we will have much lower supply, if you will, and the demand, even if if the global economy is not strong enough, if you will, you still have demand growth, even half a percent a year. The world is still using 93 million barrels a day of oil. So people exaggerate, obviously, the movement in oil prices on a weekly basis because of the inventory, because of – but at the end of the day, you know, I see, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, that oil prices will come much higher, uh, will not stay at the current level because the current level will not generate sufficient capital to maintain production at the current level. Fadel, I wonder if you could speak a little bit about dividends and the safety of dividends from some of the largest oil companies. For example, ExxonMobil, the dividend now is over 3%. The Chevron dividend, over 4%. Royal Dutch Shell, nearly 6%, and so on. Are there oil companies you would recommend to investors who are looking for dividend income? Well, all these companies have dividend. The only way that they really return, uh, you know, uh, any sort of return to the shareholder is through dividend growth. Not only dividend, but dividend growth. ExxonMobil has been increasing its dividend for 35 consecutive years. Obviously, the Exxon is the big sister, and all the other companies, whether Chevron or Shell or BP or all these companies, they look at Exxon and see what Exxon does. It's not easy for a company like Exxon, which is really not growing, to increase dividend for three decades uninterrupted where oil prices were, were $10 or oil prices were $100. It didn't matter. Exxon increased dividend early this year by 5.7% and continue to do that. So going forward, the rate of increase is definitely going to slow because Exxon and Shell and all these companies would not have free cash flow in order for them to increase the dividend. So dividend will be maintained and most likely for companies like Exxon will continue to grow, albeit at much lower rate. Fadal, terrific story on the Bloomberg today. Big Oil's $45 billion of new projects signal spending revival by our colleague Rock Team Katake. And uh, basically emboldened by rising crude prices, low costs, uh, big companies like Chevron and BP doing these big expansions. Is this uh, – I'm 
just another sign that the the days of ninety hundred bucks a barrel oil are long gone because as soon as the price is up a bit, boom, Absolutely. the big guys can move ahead. There is no question in my mind what brought the the, the twenty seven dollar oil in February, which was the lowest level in thirteen years, was the hundred and ten dollar oil we had a couple of years ago. Oil prices do not move in any logical, you know, or predictable fashion. Uh, lower oil prices will bring higher oil prices, and higher oil prices will bring lower oil prices. So, uh, in my view, the industry uh, should look at 60 to 65 dollar oil as a longer term sustainable uh, price. Uh, forget about 40 because it's not going to last too long, and forget about 100 because obviously, from experience, we see that it doesn't last too long. And right now, NYMEX crude uh, trading higher by about two-tenths of a percent at uh, $45.24. We're, of course, speaking with Fadel Gate, senior analyst at Oppenheimer and Company. Can you comment on the terrorist attacks in Saudi Arabia and what that means to oil investors? In the past, such an attack would have, you know, pushed oil prices, you know, five, ten dollars, whatever. Uh, not in the last three or four or five years. I mean, you know, terror, people are beginning to get used to this bad news. It's, it's unfortunate, but it is a fact. It's not really a factor anymore. It's not driving oil prices up or down or sideways. People just totally ignore it. People are looking at fundamentals, you know, what kind of inventory, what kind of demand, what kind of supply, and the resilience in the industry actually is creating its own problem because, as I said before, the industry is much more efficient than it was two years ago because they forced to be more efficient. Otherwise, you would be out uh, out of business. So the rate of decline is a lot you know, lower than before. So people are not worried about what happened in Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or all these countries. We are more concerned about what is happening in the U.S. because shale has brought about this disruption, if you will, in the global oil market. It is no longer Saudi Arabia that the swing producer. It's the shale in the U.S. is going to be the swing producer. And we know even when the prices were tumbling, we, a lot of the figures that we're banding about, one of them was, what, around $35 a barrel that a lot of the shale producers can just barely afford to operate, and when they can, they do. So your official new range for crude oil now, Fadl? $65 oil is the longer-term sustainable oil price. Too high, too much higher than that or too much lower is not going to be sustainable. Hmm. So in terms of uh, this dis connect between the refiners in the United States and the crude oil and the gasoline price and the crude. In a nutshell, what's going on? How's that going to work out? Well, a couple of things. Uh, What happened is the refining industry has had incredible run over the last five years. Some of these stocks are up 50%, 60%, 100% over the last few years. Uh, but like anything else in life, nothing is sustainable in this business or any other business. And uh, so far this year, refining stocks have been the worst performing stocks. The major integrated oil companies are up by, by 12%. The, the, the independent refiner, the, the independent uh, producers are up by 22%. The oil service industry is up about 5%. But the refiners are down by 30 plus percent. Some of them are down 45 percent. And the reason being, 
The biggest driver has been the discount between WTI crude, which is our benchmark, and Brent, which shrunk significantly, and that eroded, you know, crack spread and margin. And this is a, a, a margin business. Lower margin mean lower profits mean lower prices. So the refiners are going to be in the penalty box for a long time. Fado Gate, senior analyst, Oppenheimer and Company. This is Taking Stock, and this is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.